Chapter Twelve of the Yellow Sheet. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Yellow Sheet, the LibriVox NanoRimo Project, two thousand and seven. Chapter Twelve, written and recorded by Kristen Hughes. You have the information. Take care of yourself. Wish I could go with, but classes won't teach themselves, despite what some professors think. But how? Information, indeed. He'll find you. But he's been waiting. Waiting for me? Why? How? Answers aren't mine to give. Just have to be patient. Patient, indeed. Now promise you'll come back and see me. I did, and would keep that promise, though who knew when that would be. It began again. So many arrivals, so many departures, so many arrivals and departures that she wasn't even jet-lagged, time and geography left behind. I remember that. I am living that. But now I do feel jet-lagged. Yes, too many arrivals and departures, too many me's for sanity. Beth, Betsy, Liz, Liza, Betty, Elizabeth, me. I'm not certain what is real any more. Not entirely, though some things feel like memory rather than something other. My mind seems to be failing me at times, but my senses, so acute, tell me I know. My mother called me Beth. That was real. I was married. I even had a family once. Once? Yes, I think only once. But where has it gone? Where is my Derek? Not the delusional or the polyamorous or the betrayer or the bastard who tried to have me committed. Is that what he became without me? What I made him? I wish the tornado swirling round me would set me down in Kansas or some equally dull place and. Dull, yes, that's what I want. Dull, boring, mundane, excruciatingly uneventful life. I'm not sure I care what or why any more. Just let it stop. My thoughts as I descend into exhausted oblivion. I wake. Where? Here. Always here. Always where I am, but somehow from a dream into a dream. Life blurry, unfocused, slightly unreal. The shadow at the edge of vision. Was it there? Just a shadow? Or a thing of substance just beyond my reality? Questions, questions, questions. Too many. Too many frustrations, always moving and asking until my body rebels and I am forced to stop. Like a ship on the ocean tossed by storms, but proudly still bestriding the high waves and holding on its course. I read that somewhere once. Byron, I think. And no matter how much my head and heart and body rebel, I will hold my course. At least this stop hasn't been entirely unproductive. I met a man. No, no, nothing like that. He was grandfatherly, gray and faded, with ancient eyes that held an eternity of pain and grief, loss and tragedy, and yes, mingled with that, love. Such a warm and joyful man. Pity what happened. I should have liked to have known him longer. Was it Cairo or Calcutta? Perhaps Crete? I'm almost sure it started with a C. 
My apologies. I can't tell you where it happened. I don't know myself. Though it's of little consequence, the place is not the key. I do know it was a café. I was drinking sludge masquerading as coffee. Don't get me wrong, I'm quite fond of the sludge. But I have things yet to learn. My patience and self-control are underdeveloped for sludge drinking. One must stop in time unless one is fond of chewing, but stop too soon and risk wasting a not insignificant percentage of the drink. Such small cups. But let me return to my gentleman. For a gentleman he was, and there are few enough I've met who truly merit the description. He was a rescuer of stranded travellers. Kind words, lively conversation. I watch him for a time, before his companions depart and his focus turns to me. I know you, he said, dragging a chair to my lonely table. Do you? I did not know this man. There were no remembrances, not the slightest flicker of feeling. But little surprises me any more, and I felt no discomfort at his statement. Yes. May I sit? He waved his hand at the chair he had supplied. Please do. You will not ask me how I know you. It is enough for now that I know. Tell me how you are and what you have been doing to find your answers. My answers? We all seek. Some find, some do not. It is in the manner of seeking. Now you are running, yes? Away or towards? Towards, I suppose. It's not running for the sake of it, not any more. I'm searching, as you said, for answers. Running is running, it wears on the soul. The manner of running is not important. I ran once like you, but now I have found peace. How? I cannot answer that. The process is unique. But you... I started, wondering if we were talking about the same thing. He seemed to know, to understand. Did he, or was he only a cryptic, confused old man? But his manner of conversation was so altered from what I had heard only a few minutes earlier. No talk of fishing and food and the beauties of the island. Island? Perhaps it was Crete. I would simply ask him. It could do no harm. You know what is happening to me? You've experienced it, haven't you? The whirling chaos, new places, new lives. You create your chaos. It does not rule you. Choose your reality, Elizabeth. He invited me to stay with him. I didn't hesitate, as it was the wrong time of year, and the few hotels in this quiet corner of the world had closed for the season. Somehow I trusted him. Familiarity spread in me with a rapidity that made me wonder. Had I known this man before? I think I must have stayed there some weeks, perhaps months. At least that is how I remember it. He spoke little of the past as it related to his life. Mostly he talked of the present, the now, the moment. He enchanted the mundane. We cooked together. He taught me. We walked by the sea and in the hills. It was a comfortable life. I would have been glad to continue like this, but I knew in the beginning it wouldn't last, and this time it wasn't because of me. He was ill. 
I would stay as long as I could, as long as I was allowed. I couldn't bear for him to be alone now. We continued our first conversation now and then, but it always ended the same. He insisted the answer was not to be found by running. But how could I stop? It wasn't by choice I lived my life in this manner. His answer? You must stop. Think now. Why do you run? To protect those around me. I tried to have a normal life. Once, I think I did. Did I stop, or was it only memories bleeding like spilt wine on a tablecloth? How long have you been experiencing these shifts? Shifts, a memory stirred. Somewhere, some time, I had talked of shifts, with whom I could not recall. I don't know. Does it matter? All the crossing and recrossing, it could be a week or a lifetime. How old do I look? Older than you should, older than you are, just as I am older than I should be. I asked how old he was, but he would say no more. The conversation had tired him. As the days passed, he spoke less and less. Often he seemed to be drifting in daydreams, then suddenly starting, would say something inexplicable. I became his nurse, I cared for him. It seemed right, natural, as if all my life I knew it would come to this. He was fading fast. It troubled me I couldn't remember, couldn't draw him from the myriad cast of players who had contributed to my life's work. And he wouldn't say. He asked me to call him Kiros. A Greek name, but the man was not. Certainly an American, one who has lived abroad for so long as to forget. His life, his culture, even his language existed in an in-between place, blurry, and not quite either or. My Elizabeth died. I died. I will die again and again. If you believe in prayer, then pray you never enter a reality where you are dead. It's not healthy. None of this is, but that. That is particularly destructive. His fingers bit into my arm. Such strength, such pain from one so frail. You're not dead. I'm here. I'm Elizabeth. You are not my Elizabeth. No, she is dead. And so am I. No. I soon shall be. Old before time and after. I must go. Your light still glows, lovely. But do not burn so brightly, Elizabeth. I did, and will not last the night. Kiros. The name sounded wrong. Look behind the bureau. I held him for a moment. Then he was gone. My grief would have to wait. The bureau. I slid it away from the wall, examined the back. Nothing. The wall. Yes, it had been painted over, but I could see a faint square outline. A butter knife was sufficient to chisel away the paint and patched plaster. I removed the square and thrust my hand into the hollow. A book. No, nothing so simple. It was no ordinary book from a modern publisher. 
It was not old, yet hand-bound and so beautiful. The title etched on the cover read The Blue Tulip. A flash of memory. I had held this before. On closer examination, a yellow slip of paper fluttered onto my lap. Maddening, frustrating, intolerable yet expected. The words, We Know. I was about to throw the paper to the floor when I noticed in faded pencil M1020.B7706 printed near the bottom. End of chapter 12